Hey, kia ora Joe, thank you so much. Uh, nice to see all of you guys um, and a privilege to be up here. Uh, just keeping the pulpit warm, I suppose, for the great Sam Harvey. So um, if you are coming along to hear Sam preach, I'm sorry, he'll be here next week, so um, uh, you've got me. And hey, look, I, will, I will do my best, um, but you know, like, it's, it's tricky, eh? When you go to read the Bible and you go to study the Bible, uh, you realise after a while that the Bible's reading you, so... Um, <laughs> And, you know, that can, be, that can be a bit humbling. So anyway, hey, this, this week, just to start off, we're talking about prayer, and we're talking about the next couple of verses in um, the Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, I'd love to invite out one of um, our great uh, young men, wonderful fathers, and um, just generally an incredible um, unit, uh, Andrew Wordsworth. Now, Andrew has come all the way, um, I'm not sure where he shifted from, but... He pretty much when he turned up, everyone thought he was Sam. So it was very useful actually having another, another Sam in the house because uh, it just made it feel like Sam could duck off and have a coffee or do whatever and, <laughs> and he'd still be present. Anyway, Andy is going to come up and just share a little bit about prayer, a wee bit of a testimony. So, um, so let's give it up for Andrew. The cool thing about looking like Sam is I can do really dodgy stuff during the week and uh, blame it on him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that, that, might not, that might not be so good for the reputation of our church, but, um, and he can do likewise, so I guess that could work out good. Um, uh, at the start of, uh, or oh, probably about six months ago, I started meeting up uh, with a bunch of guys from church at the, um, at our, we call it Upper Click, um, and I guess the desire for me around that was um, to have, um, to really get stuck into some better routines around uh, my walk with God. Um, and that's really been the challenge of my Christian faith since I was a little fella, I guess. Um, but uh, a few a few weeks ago, we met and we were t- we were just talking about how things were going, and somehow we got onto examples that were set for us. Um, and I um, I just shared an example of uh, my mum and dad, really, and how I've been really privileged to grow up in a Christian family, and uh, not everyone gets that, um, and it does come with a whole lot of other hang-ups. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, but uh, one thing that stands out for me is that uh, every... I have this memory of, of most mornings and most nights getting up uh, early in the morning and walking past my, uh, my dad's office and seeing him on his knees in prayer, um, and, and late at night, before I went to bed, going past mum's room and seeing her on her knees beside the bed uh, praying, and I remember what their journals looked like and what their Bibles looked like and how worn they were, and, and, um, uh, and I just think, for me, uh, that's just one of the biggest blessings of my life, uh, to have had parents uh, who, who really uh, understood what it was to um, work out their faith with fear and trembling before God and to prioritise that in their life, and uh, um, and they weren't perfect uh, by any stretch. Um, uh, I'm a testament to that. Uh, but um, <laughs> but one thing. So as I was just sitting at the beach this morning, uh, trying to think about what to say, and um, and so the relevance for me, I guess, with that memory is that um, I've got three boys now and, and a wonderful wife, um, and I only get one chance to be a good dad. Uh, don't get to do it again. Uh, and there's a, um, so I just wrote down this one thought, our children will either learn from our mistakes or be challenged and in- inspired by the example we set. Um, and uh, there's a whole, and, and probably a bit of both, uh, you know, because none of us are perfect. So there's a whole lot of mistakes that my kids will, um, 
will see me make and, and, and hopefully they'll learn from them and become better men because of that. Um, but one, one of the things I want them to be inspired by from me is my, is my, is my commitment to work out my faith with fear and trembling. And, um, and I want them, when I'm old, uh, for them to say, I walked past Dad's room uh, early in the morning when I woke up and he was on his knees in prayer. And, uh, and I'm pretty crap at that, and, uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, I've been really challenged this week to, um, to that's where I need to go in my faith. So, yeah. Hey, bless you, Andrew. Hey, we're going to talk more a little bit about how just uh, that community, that small group that we've been part of has been just super helpful for helping us work through this stuff. Hey, let's just click up the, um, the slide there. I've got my wonderful lad up in the, um, in the booth. And um, the next, these are the verses that we've got here. Um, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Awesome verse, an extraordinary passage. And uh, Jesus speaks on um, prayer through this. And I think he's using this passage to, uh, uh, using the way that people pray to indicate uh, a problem. And then I believe also he's using the same passage to point out that the way people pray, yes, it's the problem, but also the way that we pray is that solution to that same problem. Now, that has excited me throughout the week, and I think just quickly where I'm going to go with today's message is I'm going to talk about the problem of fake religion um, and how we're challenged to abandon, you know, fakeness, showiness, hypocrisy. Um, if our motivation is for the approval of others, then we're going to find the reward for our efforts is going to be completely disappointing. Um, then I'm also going to talk about where we want to be. I think all of us, uh, authentic relationship with God. And I think this is what Jesus points to as a solution um, for the problem that we just noted. So we're challenged through this word to develop an authentic prayer life. We're challenged to pray in secret and that our hearts would grow towards God and that our hearts would know the rewards of God. Now I've got a wee bit of a prop here um, that I will, I'm not sure how I'll use it in my sermon today, but um, recently I've done some gardening. I don't do a lot of gardening. I don't tell mum. She's, um, she'll probably be disappointed by that. But I went and bought 100 trees the other day, and these were the trees that turned out. I was impressed by them um, when I saw them at the top of the box. When I took them out of the box, I was less impressed. Um, so so if, you, if you can see that... The, the, And I, and I think for, um, well, sometimes I feel like I'm like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like all, yeah, all show. And, and, and actually what I'm wanting to do is develop a root system in my heart and in my life that's going deep. And one of our values of our church is depth. And so um, I, I suppose what I'm saying is I want, I want to make sure that we are going deep in our relationship with God. So I want to quickly catch us up in the Sermon on the Mount so far um, so that we know where we are in terms of context. So Jesus has gathered a group of his disciples on the Mount. Uh, along with that, there's some onlookers there, and he sort of points them out as examples of what not to do. And then he's got his crew there, his disciples, who he is talking about uh, and talking to. And he's introducing them to the way of the kingdom. He begins his sort of uh, public ministry by saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so far he's indicated to everybody through the Beatitudes and others that the kingdom of God is upside down. It's completely reverse of what we would expect. He begins by talking about the poor as his first concern and the religiously proud, uh, repetitively, repetitively kind of hassled and rebuked and teased uh, for their staged religion. 
So uh, all of us can relate to that, I think. All of us get excited when we hear tales of rags to riches or, or tales also of those people who, who are corrupt in society who get brought down. And so there is something exciting, I reckon, about this upside-down kingdom that Jesus um, speaks of. And he calls these fake people hypocrites, a term that's borrowed from drama, and it's indicating that they're nothing more than an act. Uh, and I reckon as you've got these players here on the side of this mount as he's doing this sermon, the tension must have been awesome. You know, it must have been a pretty exciting kind of setting where you've got some people scowling and tutting and getting annoyed and other people going, yeah. And, you know, it would have, would have been like your usual cross-section of people and some of them would have just been super excited. Right, and I think all of us can put ourselves in all of the players' shoes. There's times where I'm religiously proud and there's times where I am wanting to develop an authentic relationship and friendship with Jesus. And so I think in this sermon, we kind of can see both parts of our hearts, I reckon. So anyway, and last week, Sam spoke about Jesus' words to us as we give to the poor. The pattern of that passage is that it includes sort of a, a do not part, telling people not to you know, give, in that case, with a dumb motivation. And then there's sort of a bad consequence if you do give with a dumb motivation. Uh, he said that you know, they had received their reward in full. Uh, and then there's a sort of a instead do this kind of type passage with a good consequence, which is uh, a kind of a, a reward from God. Today's passage repeats that same pattern. Um, so we begin with the, with the do not. And so Jesus uh, says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Um, so we see him calling his disciples to be free from a shallow, showy religious experience that's all about appearances and instead to be focused on God. Um, the context for this, most days Jewish believers, uh, and probably Jesus himself, would have recited um, prayers, set prayers that were written out by um, theologians, by saints, by rabbis, um, two to three times a day. And these set prayers wove tradition, scripture, um, some of the great passages of Jesus, uh, sorry, of God speaking to the nation of Israel um, into kind of great set prayers. And pray, uh, they would pray them at dawn, at midday, at dusk. And Jesus isn't really attacking this practice. What he's attacking is um, kind of the way that some of the hypocrites had managed to work this into their own favour. So people were ending up deciding that, say they were going to pray at dawn, which let's say it was 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, they would make sure that they just happened to be on a busy street corner. And so they had to do their set prayers where everyone could see them and admire them for how, how fancy they were. Um, so, you know, like imagine if we decided as a church that we were all going to pray at 7 o'clock as part of a prayer season. I reckon it would be similar to maybe, you know, started off, everybody was doing it, and then a few weeks into it, people just happened to be walking past the Harvey's house at seven in the morning where they just stopped for their wonderful devotion times or they found themselves somewhere where other Christians were who could see them in their devotion times. That kind of idea that the showiness uh, was the most important thing. So Jesus again is con confronting his listeners on the motivation of their hearts. And I think so clear as I read this scripture that Jesus is still confronting his listeners on the motivation of their hearts. So let that be the, the case today, I think, as, as I speak. And here I felt actually a wee point where I felt a moment of sympathy and empathy towards the hypocrites as they listen. I wonder if they felt shame or anger towards Jesus. I wonder if they felt 
jealousy towards other people listening. For these hypocrites, their prayer lives weren't authentic, but part of the show. Their prayer life was the cool thing to do and was used to impress others. Now, it may not be that case for us with prayer, but man, there's lots of things that I do that aren't really for any other reason other than to impress other people. And so let God speak to us through this today. Two applications for us, I think. I think the most obvious application is let's look at how we do church, uh, how we practice our faith with other believers. Uh, And there's no doubt that there's things that we do that make us in church more likely to be accepted. Um, As a young man, my friends and I knew that spiritual fervor was a great thing. And we had beautiful and wonderful and uh, energetic prayer times with God and each other. And some of those moments that we would pray and worship together were the best of my life. They were, they were incredible and they were awesome. But in there, snuck in there, we would often try and impress each other. And, uh, you know, there's young men in the room. Most of you, some of you have been young men. Some of you have had, yeah, <laughs> young men. Some of you want to know young men. So some advice for... For those, so as a young man, I used to surf a bit, and surfing's one of those sports where you master basic moves, and then you sort of uh, learn better moves, and eventually you seek to go pro. And I think I applied that to my Christian life a wee bit. Um, so as a new Christian, like we were all a little bit like that. We learned some wee tricks as Christians that we could that we could work into our routine, and we moved our way up to going pro. And going pro basically meant that you became a preacher or a worship leader, and there were great consequences if you didn't make it. Um, you could end up as a children's pastor or as, <laughs> as head, of, head of the packing team. So uh, going pro was all about it. You, you, and so one of the, I suppose lifting hands was one of the easiest tricks that you could get started on. And there were different levels to that. There was kind of carrying the groceries, just simple starter carrying the groceries. And then that moved all the way to kind of the pro move of, you know, of the full albatross, right? <laughs> Uh, heaps of different variants on that as well. A bit of heartburn in there. A bit of, bit of double heartburn, double lift. So there were different things that you could do and you were, you know, that we would constantly do to try, I reckon, to kind of make sure that we were as energetic and enthusiastic as possible. Reading the Bible had levels as well. I suppose you could read the Bible. That was certainly beginner stage, but then you could begin to quote scripture just in all sorts of places, supermarkets or whatever. If you mate asked you for a glass of water... Oh, yes, I'll give you a glass of water. You know, Jesus said he's the water of life. You know, uh, quoting scripture and prayer, um, praying loudly, praying loudly and quickly. Uh, all of these things were sort of stuff that we did. <laughs> um, we had really awesome times. Uh, but lurking inside, I reckon there began, began to be a bit of spiritual pride. And what we did, that was evident that me and my other three mates called ourselves the A-team <laughs> to differentiate from the rest of our kind of uh, Christian friends. Uh, whew, to differentiate, I think maybe from the amateurs who were sort of, you know. And it's embarrassing to sort of say this, but also funny looking back at it, because don't worry, God's really, really good at giving grace to the humble, really, really good at resisting the proud. And we, we, we got... <laughs> what was coming to us. <laughs> Just a quick story about a friend of mine who was part of this sort of thing. And, and hands up if you had a, a friend who's very enthusiastic about how they pray and worship the Lord. Anyone? Cool. Put all of those together. you got my friend, right? Just 
So he had a huge afro. I think he was going for a John the Baptist look. Um, and one time he was praying up on the hills and he had, you know, because we were sort of in a surfing town, he had huge big yellow board shorts on for some reason. And anyway, as he prayed, paced up and down loudly, um, talking to God um, in tongues and things, I think, as well, with his big afro bobbing. Uh, he got very hot, so he took his shirt off and he was up there uh, just going for it. Anyway, the neighbours got very, very concerned down because he was up on a sort of a public area by the road. The neighbours got really concerned about this guy doing that. And, you know, long story short, um, the police did get to <laughs> talk him down from there. Um, but anyway, you guys get the picture, eh? We had hearts that were fervent for Jesus. Uh, but sneaking in, away in there, there was a sort of competitive nature. There was this need to sort of impress others for God. And McKnight writes this, Scott McKnight's this great um, New Testament scholar. He writes this about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Cass, is that up there? When Jesus, or what Jesus aims at is the self-deceit that weaves itself into the fabric of a per- person's spirituality in which there is not only a notice-me approach but also an ability to know that there's a problem present. Uh, and, and sometimes that's us, you know. Sometimes we are saying yes to things that God hasn't called us to do. One of Sam's great lines is, why are you making sandwiches that, that Jesus didn't ask you to make? And it, it's in reference to Mary and Martha. But um, there's that thing that sometimes God hasn't called us to stuff that we want to do. We want to do it not necessarily because God's called us to it, but because we want to please others. And so we do need to be careful about that. And Jesus is warning us of the danger of using prayer in the previous section of text of giving to seek the approval of others because it can be intoxicating. The approval of others can be intoxicating and it can be self-deceiving. So in our church, we really want to continue to honour, to love, to encourage those people who serve and give their time on the different rosters in different ways. Honestly, bless you guys. It's incredible what you do. We really want to keep encouraging people. Um, we also want to be aware that 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 can't be it. You know, we do that stuff out of love for God. We do that out of a, a heart that says, Lord, I want to please you. And Lord, uh, I'm so grateful for everything you've done. And Lord, this is a, an act of worship. We don't do it to get God's favour. We don't do it to get each other's favour. And you know, there's times where I've been super encouraged coming up here. We came up here from Christchurch. And there's been people in this church who have encouraged us and blessed us and given us things and just served us in, in mind-blowing ways, ways that make us, you know, so humbled. And bless you all for doing that, but I need to know in my heart that I'm not doing, you know, the things I do so that, so that I get acknowledgement like that. And so I, I think there's a real challenge for all of us in that. Cool. All right, the second application, and this is a bit of a broader application, is our need, in general, for getting other people's affections, other people's affirmation, other people's approval. Uh, as I sort of pointed out before, if we sort of say that this little thingy here is other people's affirmation or approval, then, then God offers us, and really a bucket's not a great picture, maybe actually planting it in the real ground is a better option. Yeah. Now, if I put that there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stand by itself, eh? So, so let's pretend there is a bucket that is much bigger that we want or that God wants us to be planted in, that's his affection and approval. Now, it's a massive bucket, that's tiny, right? Let's pretend it's huge. Uh, And so I think that our hearts need to be kind of rooted in that. Where am I? 
So Paul talks about it this way. Often we so long for human affirmation that we completely neglect that our heart's true longing is for God's affirmation, right? We can get such a kick out of pleasing people that we forget about whether we are doing stuff that's pleasing to God. Paul writes it this way in Galatians 1 verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? And if I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And it's weird. I think in this passage, this is what Jesus is talking about. Prayer as being part of this problem. And then he also points to prayer as being part of the solution. All right, I'm going to tell you the, the cheesiest illustration I think I've even made up in my life. So forgive me before it even begins to demonstrate this point. <clears throat> you ready? It's about Derek. It's in the 90s, and Derek wants to be impressive. We got a picture of Derek? Nope, we don't have a picture of Derek. Okay, no picture of Derek. You'll have to imagine him. Oh, there's Derek. Lovely. So Derek wants to be impressive, uh, particularly in front of the other young, successful men who are enjoying cappuccinos outside a cafe. Um, the yuppies. Uh, if truth be told, it's because Derek finds it hard to relate to other men. His father being a military man who went missing on an assignment in the Middle East years before, he's not really known how to get on with the fellas. And Derek has had to fight for everything he owned. And today, Derek proudly owns a Motorola. And <laughs> he's so pleased to have a cell phone that he's walking up and down in front of some of the other guys and pretending to talk into it. He's trying to impress them. And the next minute, while he's holding his phone up and, and loudly, the phone rings. <laughs> and rather than being impressed, the others begin to laugh and scoff at him. Derek's suddenly ashamed. And the very thing he was using to impress others has now become his biggest downfall. And so hopefully all of us can relate a little bit to Derek. And those moments where we're trying to get pride from something and it becomes super embarrassing. And so we may not pose this badly. Most of us do present a front to others to ensure we come across looking pretty cool. Um, some of the traps for our heart are this need for approval, the desire for increased status. We can get so addicted to this trap of feeding our own sense of self for our own identity. We want to look successful. And so to do this, we look to our clothes, our possessions, our homes, our stuff, our appearances, our Facebook Posts, we want to look like we're nailing life. But Jesus is saying this, we miss out sometimes if we're looking for approval. We miss out, a, you know, if we're looking for approval from others, we, we often can look out and miss out on knowing the, the approval and love of God because we're too busy trying to appear like we have the approval and the love of the will. So, you know, I think that's what Paul's up to where he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now back to Derek. Fortunately for Derek, as he stands there devastated, shamed and embarrassed, his phone's still ringing in his hand, and it's a garishly, hideously loud ringtone. Um, and even though he's humiliated and in despair, he answers his phone. Derek, is that you? He hears over the phone. Yes, who is this? He says. Derek, it's your father. I've missed you. 
And in this moment, Derek no longer cares about the other people behind him. His phone is no longer a means to impress other people. It has a far greater value because it is now connecting him with a person who can truly hold the means to answer so many of his deepest questions about who he is. Now, uh, am I right in thinking that was a rather cheesy illustration? So I think in this passage, Jesus is crushing fake prayer, prayer that impresses other people. And I think he is trying to say that prayer needs to be something that communicates and connects with somebody who can satisfy our need to impress other people. So here's how he says this should be. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I imagine there are many who left this mountainside after hearing Jesus' words crestfallen and embarrassed because Jesus had called them out for their desperate need to please people. I imagine they would have felt the Spirit resting on them and challenging them. And I imagine that Jesus' next words echoed in their minds. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is seen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I think as we think about how we act towards other people and whether a lot of what we do is motivated by the need to please other people, some of us might feel a little bit embarrassed about how we act, if we're truly honest. Some of us might feel a little bit like... Some of what we do is a show to try and get the approval of other people. Look, my hope is that Jesus' spirit would rest on you and this encouragement to step into a secret place of prayer would be on all of our hearts. So some thoughts on prayer. I want to talk about the, the role prayer plays in the life of a believer. And Jesus mentions here that the secret life has secret rewards. I want to describe the rewards of God by using, again, this analogy of a tree. Uh, throughout the Gospels, Jesus establishes him as a keen um, gardener. Uh, or, or uh, Anyway, he frequently turns up in gardens, including after his death uh, and before his death with the, 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 the olive grove. Um, he calls us to be established in him, the true vine. He tells parables about the seed of God growing in him. We're called to be good, true, uh, good trees in Luke 6 who bear good fruit. Uh, And then Paul continues in uh, Colossians 1 uh, in his prayer that the church would live their lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as they were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So I'm going to say that human life is like a tree and we've got branches that are visible and on display and we have secret parts that are hidden. And so often our roots sink down into the opinions of others. So often our and what other people think feeds who we are. And I reckon managing the impressions that other people have on us is actually a horrible burden. It's actually demanding, and it's actually taxing, and it's actually the sort of toil that I think Jesus calls us to be free from. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I've nailed this either. I, I, honestly, there's times just this week that, that has, the, what other people think of me has, has crushed me, has made me feel, you know, it's been, it's been foremost in my mind. But I think Jesus is calling us to replace that desire for other people's affirmation with God's affirmation and to do that through developing a secret life of prayer. So rather than having these shallow roots uh, here, these disappointing, mediocre roots in the opinions of others, I think we need to sink our roots down deeply into the living word of God. Psalm 1 helps us here. We're going to pop up Psalm 1. Uh, um, Before? Yeah, there we go. So if we just read that together, <laughs> it'd be good. 
Pacific. All right. Okay, so if we can put it up in uh, English, that'd be great. All right, and so blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And this is who he's calling us to be. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Let this be us, all right? Which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are chaffed that the wind blows away. Now, I'm a great mocker, right? I've got a natural giftedness in it. I'm very good at it. Um, so it's not there in the strengths finders thing yet, but um, I've asked them to do it. Um, and I, frequently over my life, I've chosen to sit by the roadside rather than get involved and get engaged in... Uh, rather than get engaged in, in, I think, the life of prayer... Um, and so this does challenge me. The righteous man described here has established a delight in the law of the Lord and practicing and the practice of considering and meditating on scriptures day and night. And the overwhelming blessing is awesome, right? There is fruit in its season. Um, the simile also goes on to talk about um, the idea that they're well nourished, that there is uh, that they, their leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. So I reckon you, you know, New Testament's not hard to find fruit. That grows uh, in response to a life in the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, we get the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Uh, and the, the idea of a leaf that does not wither. Man, sometimes I feel very withered by the circumstances of life. And apparently the man here, or the, the believer here, describes the, the same circumstances but does not face the same sense of withering. Um, Sam was telling me a conversation that a pastor friend of his had. And the pastor friend was asked, how are you going? And he said, oh, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. And the wise challenge from his friend was, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? And so for us, sometimes actually being rooted in prayer, being rooted in a, in a secret place with God establishes... Um, something that transcends even our circumstances. Sometimes we know peace in that place that, that we shouldn't know because the, the peace of God rests on us when we develop this prayer life. Now, I want that. I don't know about you, but I want that, and often I lack that. And So uh, let's just quickly ask this question, how to live rooted in Christ. Now, um, I'm very glad you asked that. <laughs> Let me proceed. Um, Jesus tells us to pray in the secret place, to establish a life in lives, a rhythm of prayer and, I think, Bible study as well. And we see that the guy here um, has the law of God as something that he delights in. Now, for me, I used to drink one coffee a day. At the start of term, I generally have one coffee a day, and as the term goes along, uh, it kind of goes a wee bit like that. Um, now, if I drink too much coffee, um, well, if I don't drink enough coffee, my head gets sore and I yell at people, Right? And if I drink too much coffee, I get really excited and, and yell at people. So, um, but I think building a prayer life is a little bit like building a coffee addiction. The first few times around, they're going to be rough, right? But after some time, you start to notice it when you miss it. You start to need a sense of, you know, whatever it is that, that God provides through sinking your roots into him your desires start to change. And so for a few of us guys, 
Uh, this year we have a group that's got together called the Upper Click Group. We couldn't think of any other names um, for it, and so we went with that. But the basic idea is that we want to take our spiritual walks up a click. We want to do something more than we've done. And so we've met together in a cafe, as Andy said, and basically deal with one simple question. After a bunch of banter and teasing and hassling, right, a wee bit of waking up for some of us, um, a bit of mocking, yeah, um, we asked the one question, how's your prayer time going? Right? How's your walk going with the Lord? And it's a pretty simple goal that we set at the start. We want to do three set times a week that we're going to pray for, like, not much, 15 or 20 minutes. It's been humbling at times. We've had new believers come along and decide that they're going to set their clock before their preschoolers, which means stuff like 5 o'clock, right? Which I'm not even sure. I'm pretty sure that's, that's when the CIA burst into prisoners' homes and stuff. Like, it's a... I don't think I've seen 5 o'clock on my clock for some years. Um, so they get up there and they, they do their prayer time then. Uh, others of us have sort of mumbled along some weeks about how we're going to try and do it, maybe a, you know, a Saturday afternoon and then a time Monday morning and then maybe a... And so other times we come along and we feel like we're winning and sometimes we go along and we feel like we've not done so well, but the key thing is we've got people there who love us and people there who go, awesome, man, keep going, yeah. keep going, like keep doing it. And it, it's been pretty special. It's actually been... So encouraging because, like Andy said, we want, to be, uh, we want to be good dads. We want to be good husbands. And there's no way you spend time in prayer and in the Word of God and go, oh, cool, I can tolerate the same stuff that's going on. I, I can't come away from a prayer time thinking about, uh, without thinking, man, I, I need to be treating my kids a bit kinder. I need to be loving my wife a bit better. And so that beautiful challenge has been awesome going through with these guys. And it's... It's not to impress each other. It's not the hypocritical stuff that Jesus talks about at the start. But anyway, there's a couple of things that we've practically found helpful, and I reckon we can kind of look at the continuum as there's the Netflix option in terms of how we approach prayer, and then there's the sort of rigid set time. The Netflix option is a little bit like Netflix. I don't know about you guys. If you've, Most of you guys don't. No, no one watches TV here. Well, Charlotte and I sometimes watch Netflix when the rest of our day is done, when we've kind of thought about stuff and, and we've finished our jobs and all of that. And we might do Netflix, and if that doesn't happen, cool, right? And a wee bit like that with prayer. Um, so often finish my day. When other stuff's done, I'll relax, and I'm going to unwind in my prayer time. That's my plan. Um, and I tried this to begin with in the year. My results were super inconsistent. Sometimes I'd just actually end up watching Netflix. <laughs> um, uh, and then at that point, things really unwind. I don't know if you've felt like me, but when you, when you miss something like that, you feel you've disappointed yourself and God, and then you go, well, I don't want to talk to God now because he's disappointed and cross with me. I'm not going to go into prayer now. <laughs> so we sort of shy away from prayer for a wee bit, and then you know, at some point, Chris will hit the right chords. and we <laughs> <laughs> Right? That, I just want to say, like, one of the things about, about just, this is just, God's never missed an appointment that yeah. I've made for him. Yeah. He's been there, and he's every single time he's like, "Awesome, let's talk, right? Let's let's do this." And so I, so encouraged by that, and I kind of just again with the encouragement of these new Christians who had little kids, I thought, "Man, stuff, I'm going to have to set the alarm." And that's at the other end of the spectrum. And so I set the alarm just 20 minutes earlier, and I, I walked down to the beach uh, again because if I stay in a chair or whatever, I'll fall asleep. So I walk down to the beach and I take a journal and I pray. That's what it's meant for me. And sometimes it's been boring, sometimes I've watched seagulls, sometimes it hasn't, but I, I've, I've kept a routine. And I, as I've done that, I've felt that there's been a, a, a growth in me. There's been times where I've wanted to react in certain ways, and then I've thought, nah, actually, 
there's a greater depth there. There's more self-control there or whatever. So I don't know how long it takes for fruit to grow, but I'm going to keep at it. And if, if it takes a while, if it takes a year, if it takes two years, like, you know. And again, because I want to love God, right? One of the motivations, sure, is I want to be a good dad and I don't want to disappoint my mates at the thing and I, you know, I want to stay, you know, stay married for all my life, right? <laughs> but primarily, I want to walk with Jesus that's out of love. I want to know him better and closer. That's my primary motivation. And some days when it doesn't feel lovey-dovey with God, some of those other motivations kick in and it's helpful. You know, I know Thursday morning's going to come around. They're going to go, how did you go? And so it's been actually super helpful, right? And so anyway, for all of us this morning, I'm going to ask a simple question, put a challenge on you guys, and I want you to trust me in this. I'm not going to do one of those bait and switch where all of a sudden you're going to have to come up the front either, okay? (laughs) But I am going to do the eyes closed, hands up thing, all right? Please, nothing more is going to happen than this other than after that. I'll kind of encourage you to do something during the week. All good? So can we just close our eyes? Uh, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider where you get your affirmation from. Consider how much you're affected positively and negatively by the opinions of others. I want you to think of yourself as a tree and to ask yourself whether you're in a season of dryness or in a season of life and why that might be. And with eyes closed, I I want you to let me know are you happy with where your secret world with God is? Uh, if you aren't, I just want you to just quickly raise your, raise your hand. I just want just to get an idea. Cool, and everybody, eyes closed, that's awesome. Cool. Right. Now, guys, we can all open our eyes, please. That's cool. Okay. For, for those who aren't, and there's... As expected, right? Hands all across the room, right? For those who aren't, what's next? I think here's the first step that I want to challenge to you. Just tell somebody this week what you told me, right? Whether it's your spouse, whether it's a close friend, whether it's life group and your leader sits you down to start unpacking the symbolism of the tabernacle. I want you just to blurt out, no, hey, look, I was one of the guys who put my hands up. My life with Jesus is a bit dry. Can we talk about that? Can we, as a church, be not just a church who, who prays, but a praying church, a church whose foundations are deeply rooted in Christ as well? Right? I would love that. You know, it would be awesome. And we want to be a church of depth, and I think if we do that, you know, we, like, it's phenomenal to think what the potential could be, what the fruit could be from that. So if you're not in a life group or whatever, encourage you to get in a life group. If that's not going to work out for you for whatever reason, grab someone for a coffee. If you don't like coffee, drink tea or water, right? If somebody this week says to you, hey, can we catch up for a a cup of coffee? Could you please make yourself available? They might want to talk about this. And it's so important that as brothers and sisters, that we go, hey, look, let's talk about what you can do, right? So that's that's my end challenge. That's my final thing. Um, I don't know whether I've gone over time or what's going on, but... um, That's all. All right, God bless you. I hope you have uh, an awesome time. And let me just pray as we finish. Um. (laughs) Father, I just thank you so much for the fact that, Lord, we're all disciples on some sort of transition from being hypocrites to being perfect. And Lord, it's, Lord, we're just so grateful that you call us to something awesome. But Lord, we just know how fallen and broken and hard our hearts are sometimes. Lord, just I pray this 
this morning you'd work on our hearts. By your spirit, Lord, I pray you'd be here with us. And Father, we just ask that uh, for every single one of us who's feeling like they're in a dry place or a tough place or a place where, you know, their roots are barely holding on. Lord, by your grace, give them a mechanism and a means, Lord, to just access more of you this week. Lord, I pray that they'd find friendships and connections. Lord, the church is there to help and encourage and to bless each other, Lord, to help stabilise and support each other as we go through rough stuff. So, Lord, I pray we'd be there for our brothers and sisters, Lord. Lord, I pray for all of us who um, are feeling proud that you would, again, help give us clarity and vision so that we could see those bits in our hearts that are, you know, too full of ourselves to, to, to know more of you. So help us in that also. Lord, I just pray that as we go forwards that we will continue to be deep, authentic followers of you, Jesus. We bless you and we thank you that, Lord, your love for us is incredible, your grace towards us is amazing, and, Lord, um, you have just such richness ahead of all of us. Bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.